Welcome everyone to our series rooted in the book of Joshua. This week is part two and if you were watching last week you'll recall that we were looking at that incredible verse in Joshua 24 verse 15. As for me and my house we will serve the Lord and we really sense that the invitation from Jesus in this season is to recommit, is to recommit our whole lives to God in response to the incredible faithfulness that God has shown us. And last week we looked a little bit about what that looks like in terms of the faithfulness of God and how we in turn can be faithful to him. In part two this week, we want to look at the first few chapters of Joshua and really look at some lessons of how we can recommit to God in this season. The reality is, is that when it comes to committing our lives to God, there's no middle ground, there's no neutral, there's no coasting. We're either all in or we're all out. In many respects, we're being formed every single day in one way or another. We're either being formed into the image of Jesus or we're being conformed into the image of this world, distorted into the image of this world, if you like. The reality is, is if you don't choose God and you're intentional and proactive in your discipleship, then that leads to a drifting away from him and eventually a drowning. I love it how C.S. Lewis talks about this in Mere Christianity. He says this, that is why daily prayers and religious readings and church going are necessary parts of the Christian life. We have to be continually reminded of what we believe. Neither this belief nor any other will automatically remain alive in the mind. It must be fed. And as a matter of fact, if you examined a hundred people who had lost their faith in Christianity, I wonder how many of them would turn out to have been reasoned out of it by honest argument. Do not most people simply drift away? And this is why we're encouraging people to engage in the life of our church, whether that's through circles or groups or Zooms that we do, uh, whether it's the stuff online by serving in our compassion ministries, but also in uh, a week's time, we get to meet together in person for the first time in like six or seven months, which is gonna be an amazing time to meet in person. So I encourage you to go online and to pick one of the four services that you and your family can come to as we meet. It's so important that we do not give up in that habit of meeting together and being together as family, as the body of Christ. And so really in terms of looking for that commitment, that is why there is this plea, there's this choice that's presented before us by Joshua. And Joshua, as this national leader, said to the nation, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God, you can count on me to choose you and to serve you wholeheartedly. You know, I love the rich language that we get in in hymns. And I love this hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. I just want to read a couple of the verses from this incredible hymn. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, 
let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. The guy who wrote that, Horatio Spafford, he led a life which um, he saw incredible grief and sorrow. He uh, lost his, his daughter. Um, he then lost his business. He was a successful lawyer in the Chicago fires. He lost his business. And then he sent his four other children on a boat um, to another country ahead of him. And all four of his daughters died. Now, when he was on this boat later on, is that when he passed the, the, the location of where his daughters died, he wrote these lyrics to this hymn. Extraordinary. This guy had lost his business, he'd lost his family in horrific circumstances and yet in his soul he was able to pen this, these truths, these incredible rich theological truths in this hymn. In other words, no matter what was thrown at him, whatever gain he got or loss that he got, what whatever uh, death that he faced, is that he was able to say that God, you are still God. God, you are good. God, you are faithful. And it's this God that is the anchor to my soul. Now, I believe there's some really important keys and life lessons in the early chapters of Joshua that can help us to make this kind of commitment. These uh, strong theological truths in our lives can permeate our hearts when we begin to take on some of these lessons that Joshua embraced in his life. So let me just read to you some of the verses we find at the beginning in Joshua chapter 1 because this sums up the story so well. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all these people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success have i not commanded you be strong and courageous do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the lord your god is with you wherever you go and joshua commanded the officers of the people pass through the midst of the camp and command the people prepare your provisions for within three days you are to pass over this jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. This is the promise. Joshua, if you recall, was Moses' assistant. 
And he witnessed Moses and the Israelites never entering the promised land. In fact, they wandered around for 40 years. It was an 11 day journey, but they wandered around for 40 years, worshiping idols, doubting God, complaining, whinging. So they never got in. Joshua, you see now, we come to this moment in the story, as the leader is set to take them into the promised land. You see, Moses acted in disbelief and disobedience and died because of it. And I believe there are are lessons here because God here has promised that they will go into the promised land. We see that in the text here. But there are things that need to happen. The the fact that, that God is sovereignly giving Israel the land doesn't negate their responsibility to step out in faith and take what is given. And I think this is a real uh, picture for us as we as a church enter into this new phase and this new season and chapter. I'm I'm starting to see some of these things as it were, uh, paralleled as it were in the natural and in the spiritual, that, that God has given us some stuff. He's promised us some things, but we need to step into it. We need to step into it. We need to invest in some things in order to take possession of the land that God has for us. We need to take some steps of recommitment in order to truly walk into God's good future that he has for us. I'm thinking about the vision that God has given this church in terms of the vision of welcoming people home. If you like, just looking in natural terms, that's kind of like a million pound vision. Now, whenever you go for like a million pound vision, which is, which is big and is far reaching, is that you can't expect 50p problems. You can't expect a 50p cost for a million pound vision. And what God has placed in terms of um, on our church, in terms of the call on our church and our community, means that we're gonna have to step up and step into new realms of commitment in order to possess the land that God has for us. I found this season has been really, really helpful for centering and solidifying the vision and the call of God on our lives as individuals and indeed us uh, as a corporate church. We don't wanna be involved. We haven't got time to be involved in other stories or agendas or narratives that dominate or dilute our purpose. But we've gotta recommit wholeheartedly in order to possess the call of God on our lives. And that's what possession land really means. It means what has God got in mind for you and for me? What is, what is God's purpose and call on our lives? Now, I think there are three principles of committing afresh to God that are found in the first few chapters of Joshua. And there are three S's really. The first of all this, we've got to separate. Separation leads to possession. Now we see that in Joshua 1 verse 2 in the text that we read, it says this, this obvious statement, Moses, my servant, is dead. So here's, here's something that they all knew, but it was communicated in such a way, I think, as a marker to say, look, the past is gone. We need to separate from a bunch of things in order to go forward and possess the future. And so I'm thinking um, that really every transition in some respects, maybe you're going through some kind of transition right now in life, particularly because of the pandemic that we've been in, I found that a lot of people are transitioning in life. 
is the reality is that every single transition brings a form of separation. If you don't do that, you end up just reverting to type. You, you go back to um, normal, you go back to the good old days, or you go back to your comfort zone. But actually God is pushing us and cajoling and challenging us by his spirit to leave the comfort zones, to leave the old ways of thinking and to step into the new chapter, a new season that he has for us. So separation from the past. People who live in the past can never actually inherit the future. Maybe you're being defined by your past. Maybe you're stuck in disappointment, verbal prisons, maybe even really good stuff, good relationships, comfort zones, sentiment, previous moves of God, old touches of God, all these things that are precious, but God wants us to not live, as it were, in those old things, whether they're positive or negative, but to separate in order to go for whatever he has for us in the future. I love it how Paul talks about this in Philippians chapter three, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. And so your past and your present can often rob you of your future. So we need to separate from some things. And the Holy Spirit will begin, be speaking to a number of you right now about what those things look like. Maybe you're experiencing that kind of transition uh, right now. You know, you, you can't have Joshua and keep Moses. You, you can't have Canaan and have the wilderness. Um, and, 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 you know, we as Christians have, have never actually been good at letting go. But I think for a lot of us, we need to let go to embrace the good future that God has for us. You know, not everyone you meet right now is part of your future. If, if, if you're um, going in a certain direction with God right now, is that God wants to bring you to that new place, the new you, the new me, and there are new relationships and new resources in that future. But sometimes we've got to separate and let go of those current things. For some of us personally right now, it's old habits, it's, it's patterns of behavior, it's, it's thought patterns, it's addictions. And, and, and I think again to the Israelites, look, they spent 40 years walking around on what was an 11 day journey because of their inability to separate from certain types of thinking and certain ways. Now, this is re-emphasized in that incredible verse we see in the early chapters of, of Joshua, where it says, consecrate yourself to today, for tomorrow God will do amazing things among you. So we've got, to, we've got to consecrate ourselves today, make good choices for today, so that we can welcome that tomorrow that God has for us. The second thing is to take off your shoes. The second S word is shoes. Then Joshua is told, take off your shoes for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Joshua 5 verse 15. It's a recurring theme we see here with Joshua. It is essentially a call and a return to holiness, a, a, a return to the holy one. And there's nothing dull. Let me tell you, there's nothing dull about holiness for Jesus. The holy one it, it is all of life and in him is fullness of life. The invitation to holiness is, is the greatest privilege offered to humanity. It is, it is the making and the remaking and the formation of us in the image of God. It is all about character and us looking like Jesus. And, and it's, I really believe that happiness and holiness are, 
are twins, as it were, in that spiritual womb of what it means to be born again, is that some of the most unhappy Christians I've ever met are people who are just kind of got one foot in each camp. But actually, God is encouraging us to really embrace the journey of being like him. Now, the Holy Spirit is the one who um, does that work in us to conform us into the image of Jesus. But there's a partnership. There's a partnership. There's a cooperation. And the question that God is asking of us is, is what do you need to remove? Joshua was on holy ground. Symbolically, he took off his shoes. What shoes do you need to take off? Shoes that are comfortable, shoes that are familiar, shoes that are well-worn in, you know, like your favorite trainers. They're like maybe certain patterns of thinking or behavior, ways of doing things. Now to enter into the new chapter, the new season, God is saying, look, I'm asking you to remove, but the reality is, is that you have to take your own shoes off. God won't do it for you. Yes, the Holy Spirit will help. He'll empower us, but actually it comes down to choices and decisions every single day. The Christian life is, is uh, I believe, like, just like walking. It's left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. It's one foot in front of the other. It's, it's a day filled with choices and decisions and steps that we take either taking us into the purposes of God or away from God. And so the, 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 the question for all of us at the moment is this, what do we need to remove? What do we need to separate from? And what shoes, if you like, do we need to remove? What patterns of ingrained sin remain? Kind of what stands between me and God in terms of that intimacy and fellowship? Is there pride? Is there greed? Is there jealousy? Is there temper or lust or unkindness of speech or indifference to the poor or a love of materialism? How am I right now not loving God wholeheartedly in this recommitment journey? Not giving him everything in terms of uh, my strength and my heart and my mind, my soul, everything that I have. Dallas Willard rightly reminds us grace is not opposed to effort, it is opposed to earning. Jesus did it all. He paid the penalty of our sin, he's broken the power of sin, but we still live in the presence of sin and still outworking our salvation in the tension of living in this fallen world with our own flesh and our sin nature. But he has imputed righteousness in us. Righteous people do right, thing, right things. And so we need to be uh, activating that discipleship walk by actually doing right things. And that is how we become closer to Jesus and activate our faith. Uh, we see in the, in the Great Commission, it says this, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to do everything that I have commanded. This is the implication. Through baptism is the union with Christ, through his death and his resurrection. Uh, but it's only by doing his commands, living them out, does our faith become operative and alive. It's only by obeying and doing the commandments do we, do we produce a disciple that is wholeheartedly committed to Jesus. And so the encouragement from God, I think, in this season is, look, is what is holding you back, essentially? What's, what's that sin that's entangling you? What's that burden that's stopping you running the race and sprinting and going on the marathon and just going for it. 
with everything that you have. Now, Joshua didn't get someone else to remove his shoes, and that's the key. And so, do you know what? It's awesome, isn't it, to be part of a church community. Christianity was never meant to be done um, on your own or as lone, ra lone rangers. You know, when, when those letters of Paul are written, it's always to communities. And so we have the support of brothers and sisters and family. This is what it means to be home as a church. But guys, we have to take responsibility to remove our own shoes. Somebody can't do that for us. And so maybe right now you're actually struggling in a relationship, maybe it's a marriage, and you're actually wanting your, your spouse to, as it were, remove those shoes, if it can make it easier for you. But actually, you know, for me, I look at it like this, is it's my responsibility for my own walk with God. It's my responsibility to take off my own shoes, to walk in, in uprightness and righteousness and integrity and holiness. It's not the responsibility of my wife. But I know when I do those things is I'm my greatest gift to my wife and that's so important we often presume on god we expect him to do what he requires us to do but we need to make those decisions now finally i'll finish off with this be strong and courageous the third s we need to be strong and courageous in this season there's a lot of fear there's a lot of uncertainty and the greatest gift we can be to humanity is to be healthy spiritually and emotionally and mentally and physically and i think that means that we've just got to be brave. We've got to be strong. We've got to have courage in this season. Joshua 1.9, it says this, and it's repeated three times. Now, God doesn't have a speech impediment. When he repeats himself, he intends to. There's a reason. Joshua, you need to be strong and courageous because you're going to face battles, which he did, and you're just going to have to rely on truth and doing the right thing, not the popular thing or what feels a certain way you need to just be strong and courageous now if you act courageously you get more courage god is with you but he'll only strengthen you when you raise your leg and put it forward he, he can't steer a parked car the wind will only blow when you put up the sail and so it's only when we step out and separate and uh, and, and and take off our shoes and enter into this uh, new season as it were that we need to be strong as we do it. And I was thinking about that, that passage in chapter three, verse 15, when they're crossing the River Jordan. Now the reality is when they're crossing the River Jordan, it's actually at flood stage when that happens. And so crossing over was basically dangerous. It was, it was stepping into the flood. It's stepping into the unknown. It's stepping into faith and to courage and to risk. Stepping into the flood means you're stepping into situations that are outside of your comfort zone that cause you to rely on a power that's outside of yourself, which is God. And if we're just doing things which are in the natural or possible for us, we're not truly praying those prayers or living that dangerous, radical Christian life, which means that we're relying completely in humility on God and his promises and his ways and his power so what is your flood what is your barrier is it an addiction is it relationship is it uh, kind of a financial hole that you're in where is it you're finding it hard to trust God in this season and God said look I've gone ahead of you I've always pr I've already promised you and this is the story of Joshua I, you, you've got to fight the battles but I've promised you the victory we have the victory in Christ now there's battles there's tension we live in the now and the not yet of the kingdom and so God is there with you. He's gone ahead of you, 
but you've got to choose and you've got to occupy and you've got to take the land and you've got to fight and you've got to fight in prayer and fasting and choosing wisely and reading the word and it always involves overcoming fear do you think God would have left Joshua high and dry no if God has called you he is with you courage doesn't mean that I'm not afraid that I may not feel that anxiety but what it means this is that I fear God more than I fear my environment it means that I trust in divine resources more than the resources of man Phillips Brooks says this don't ask for tasks equal to your powers ask for powers equal to your tasks so I want to encourage you today on this part two of this journey into Joshua is to think about these things and to ask the Holy Spirit to just shine a spotlight on your own heart this is what I'm doing saying Lord come come and show me come reveal to me where am I not trusting you what do I need to separate from what are these shoes that I need to take off and where Lord do I need to be strong and courageous in this time and God will speak to you We love you, we're praying for you, and we're here for you. See you next Sunday. God bless.